Hello, this is Aaron Bounds, pastor of the Anchor Church located in Zanesville, Ohio. I want to say thanks for tuning in today. I hope this podcast inspires you, encourages you, and helps you to live the life God called you to live. Come on, let's clap our hands to the Lord. Let's continue to magnify the name of Jesus tonight. Come on, do you believe He loves you tonight? Come on, do you believe He loves you tonight? Come on, why don't you just continue just for a minute? We're not in a hurry tonight, but let it be expressed out of the abundance of your heart and the fruit of your lips. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. I love you, Jesus. Amen. I was over here reminiscing a little bit. It was January 18th, 2009, that I made my way to an altar on a Sunday morning. I just wanted to get back into the presence of God and feel peace in my heart again. And it took about 30 seconds at an altar. You know why? Because my identity doesn't come from what I did or things I did. It's because of who He is. All it took was 30 seconds for me to come back to the Father. My family came back to the Father that Sunday morning. And here we are 13 years later, I can testify it's the best life. It's the best decision I ever made. Amen. Amen. So we're thankful tonight for that. The book of John, chapter 14 tonight. And uh, what a great word we heard Sunday night. And give honor to all the saints of God that are here tonight. What a great crowd on a Wednesday night. Give honor to all the ministry and to our pastor. Love him very much. He didn't know who I was when I came in this building. And uh, he just looked at me after church, and he said, I don't know who you are. He said, I just want to feel like telling you God's going to treat you like you never left. Come on, can you testify tonight that he's treated you like you never left? Come on, we've all, like sheep, have gone astray, if we're being honest tonight. Amen. You know, I love being a father to my children. doesn't matter what my children do. I'm always going to be their daddy. I may not like everything that they do. But you know what? I'm going to be there to give them grace every time they fall down. I'm going to be there to pick them up. I'm going to be there to teach them so they can learn. Amen. Because I'm their daddy and I'm always going to be their daddy. And we got a daddy always watching over us tonight. I'm preaching to you right now if you don't know that right now. I said we got a daddy that's looking over us right now in this building. Amen. I've I, I talked to... A, an elderly lady in our church at New Lexington. And I said, what could you tell a young guy that's 52 years old, you know, in your journey of serving God? And she said, Pastor Richard, I've never learned to quit. I've never learned to quit. That's got to get in our spirits tonight. I've never learned to quit. I've I've come too far on this journey. I've never learned to quit. Amen. And so we give honor to our bishop, first family. How many is ready for the word of the Lord tonight? feel like the Lord's just give me something to to deliver us and help us and uh, probably nothing new under the sun but let's dig in here John 14 and verse 16 amen and I will pray the father and he shall give you another comforter everybody say a comforter that he may he just doesn't want to come and comfort you that he may abide with you forever Even the spirit of truth, whom the world cannot receive, because it seeth him not, 
neither knoweth him, but you know him, and but he dwelleth with you. Everybody say, with you, and shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. And I, I want to preach to you just from this subject tonight, or this title, Between the Cross and Pentecost. Between the Cross and Pentecost. Why don't we lift our hands one more time, and we know the word's anointed. Let's ask God to... I just believe tonight if we lift up the name of Jesus and we come into agreement, I believe that sickness can be healed. I believe that infirmities can be loosed in this house tonight. Just by the declaring of the word of the Lord and we come to agreement in faith tonight, God, we take authority over every situation and every circumstance. And Lord, I pray, God, that you help us tonight through your word, God. I hope that we... I pray and hope that we see ourselves, God, the way that you see us in this house tonight, Lord Jesus, that we can fulfill what you've called us to do because you are with us and you are in us in the name of Jesus Christ. And everybody said amen. You can be seated if you won't sit on me in Jesus' name. 75% of the population in a recent survey that I read, people struggle with their self-worth and their value. These are not just people that are in the world, but this includes Christians as well. On a Sunday, bright Sunday morning, a mom hurried into her son's room to wake him up. Johnny, it's Sunday. It's time to get up. It's time to get ready for church. And Johnny mumbles under the covers, I don't want to go to church. Well, you mean you don't want to go to church, says the mom. That's silly. Now get up and get dressed. You're going to church. Johnny says, no, I don't want to go to church, and I'll give you two reasons why I don't want to go to church. He says, he sits up in the bed, and he says, first, I don't like those people, and second, they don't like me. And the mom replies and says, now, that's just plain nonsense, Johnny, because you got to go to church, and I'll give you two reasons why. First, you're 40 years old, and the second reason is you're the pastor of the church. (laughs) Pastor Johnny didn't want to get up and go to church that day, but he needed somebody to remind him of his calling. And that's what I've come to preach to you tonight and just to remind us of our calling. Amen. This period of time between the cross and Pentecost was 50 days. We read about where, you know, we in the book of Acts chapter 1 where he spoke of 40 days speaking of things pertaining to the kingdom of God. I've kind of always thought they sit in a small circle and, you know, if you're not careful, you can just read the Bible and things just kind of happen just like that. But there was a lot that happened between the cross and Pentecost. There was a lot that had to happen to get Peter on site to preach the message on the day of Pentecost. And so that's what we're going to take a look at tonight. We know a little bit of history in this. Pentecost in the original Greek is 50 days after the Passover. Three times a year, Jewish people, they would come to Jerusalem to celebrate a feast of harvest. Number one, the feast was celebrated a barley harvest. Easter occurred at the time of Passover. Number two, the Feast of Tabernacles was celebrated the harvest of olives and grapes. And the Feast of Pentecost celebrated the harvest of wheat. We've heard Pastor teach on this a lot. So 50 days after the Passover feast, the Jewish, the Jewish people celebrated the Feast of Pentecost. And the Feast of Pentecost was also a Sabbath day celebration So we understand that the Sabbath day is really, we call it a day of rest, but it's really a day that's set apart unto the Lord. It's the Lord's day. And and so Leviticus tells us just, uh, this isn't my subject tonight, but I just want to lay a little foundation with you just to understand, you know, how all things were being fulfilled in Scripture, if you will. 
Leviticus 23, 15 and 16 says, You're going to count unto you from the morrow after the Sabbath, from the day you bring the sheave of the wave offering, seven Sabbaths shall be complete. Even unto the morrow after the seventh Sabbath shall ye number fifty days, and ye shall offer a new meat offering unto the Lord. And so not only was it a Sabbath day celebration, it was the seventh day Sabbath as we read here. And this, this made it a special day among special days. And so the Feast of Pentecost was set apart. Uh, as the Sabbath of Sabbath. It was the days of days. And so notice the number 50 in Scripture. 50 has always been a special number to the Jewish people. Numbers are important all throughout Scripture. In Leviticus 25, 8 and 10, it says, Thou shalt number seven Sabbaths unto the year unto thee. Seven times seven years in the space of the seventh Sabbath of years shall be unto thee forty and nine years. Then thou shalt cause the trumpet of the jubilee to sound on the tenth day of the seventh month. In the day of the atonement, ye shall make the trumpet sound throughout all your land, and you shall hallow the fiftieth year. It was the year of jubilee. And proclaim liberty out throughout all the land under the inhabitants thereof, and it shall be a jubilee unto you, and you shall return every man unto his possession, and you shall return every man unto his family. Verse 11 of jubilee. Shall that fiftieth year be unto you, you shall not sow, neither reap that which groweth of of itself, nor gather the grapes of it or of the vine undressed. So what we just read was basically in the Old Testament, 49 years, after a period of 49 years, the the, the 50th year belonged to the Lord. It was the Sabbath, and it was called the year of the Jubilee, and so... In order to understand this, you, the, you know, the Israelites, uh, to, to put it in context of Scripture, the Israelites in the Old Testament, uh, they had been slaves in the land of Egypt without freedom, without the possessions for many, many years. They were in the bondage of Egypt. And so when they reached the land of Canaan that God had for them, Joshua divided the land among their tribes and their families so that each had his own inheritance. Every adult male among them became a landowner. And the land was a permanent possession that could never depart from his family. It was his. And so if a man uh, come on hard times and he was poor, he could sell part or all of the land, but only temporary. It would always revert to him or his descendants at the year of Jubilee. It would come back. And if he became even poorer and was unable to pay his debts, he could sell himself into slavery and work to pay off his debts. And again, that slavery could only be temporary. When the great day of atonement and the year of Jubilee came, he became a free man once again and repossessed his his inheritance. So this event occurred Really, only 50 years. We could say it occurred once in a lifetime for them. And so the sad part is, when you read this and understand this, it seems like a great, a great deal that was set up there, but there's no record in the laws of the Jubilee that were completely obeyed in the Old Testament times. And however, God still observed His laws. He observed the day of Jubilee. So the day of Pentecost, He, he uh, and the day of Pentecost, Uh, the Feast of Pentecost, over time, the Feast of Pentecost became the Jews' annual jubilee. They came every year to celebrate their freedom from Egypt, from the Passover. It was a time of rest. It was a time of reflection. It was a time of restoration. It was a time to celebrate the freedom from the bondage that they had been in and God delivered them from. And so because of this, uh, Pentecost became one of the most anticipated celebrations of the Jewish year. You know, it was, their deliverance was a big deal. 
And can I say tonight that how many knows that your deliverance is a big deal? Amen. Your deliverance is a big deal. We celebrate that. Uh, every time we go to prayer, every time we worship. And so every time this once a year, just in biblical context, every Jewish person would attempt to travel to Jerusalem to celebrate what God had done for them. So these three things you have to remember about Pentecost. And so it was one of the most anticipated celebrations for the Jewish year. And it was the day of Jubilee, a day to celebrate for the Lord's deliverance and freedom from bondage for the children of Israel. And it was celebrated 50 days after Easter. And so there's sort of an Old Testament brief lesson for you. That's not really just to sort of lay a foundation for you. So in our text, um, in John 16 and 7, after uh, Jesus repeats this again. He says, John 16, 7, Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is expedient or it is necessary that for you that I go away. For if I go not away, the Comforter will not come unto you. But if I depart, I will send him unto you. So Jesus was essentially telling them, you know, that they've enjoyed the comfort of him being with them. They've enjoyed the comfort of of, of seeing the signs, wonders, or miracles, and seeing uh, all the wonderful things that Jesus did. And then one day, he just pops up on them. It's, it's expedient that I go away. Things are, I'm trying to prepare you for something that you don't understand. And so I'm going to go away, but I'm, I promise you I'm going to come back another day. And so earlier, he told his disciples, that's what he said in John 14 when we just read this. He said, I will not leave you comfortless. I will come unto you. So for a period of months... Before his crucifixion, Jesus had been trying to prepare his disciples. He had been trying to tell his disciples that he was going to go. He was going to leave them. And so he would drop hints here and there about it. You know, he's like, you you know, there's not going to be a time for, uh, you don't need to fast while I'm here with you. But when I'm away, there's going to be a need for you to fast. And, the, and he would try to prepare them and they would try to grasp what he was saying. And out of the blue, he would make a statement just like I, just like I read to you. Hey, you know, how? would you like for Jesus to show up in your world and say, hey, you know, it's been a nice little journey here, but I, it's, it's necessary that I go away, but I'm not going to leave you for long. I'm going to come back for you, and I won't leave you comfortless. How would that make you feel? How would that make you feel internally, trying to understand the plan of God when he says, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be in you, but i got to go away from you right now? And they didn't understand what he was talking about. And many times in our walk with God, we don't understand completely what God is doing for our better. That's why the Bible tells us to trust in the Lord with, with all of your heart. Lean not to your own understanding and all your ways acknowledge Him and He'll direct your paths. In John 14, 19 and 20, as we read on, it says, Yet a little while the world seeth me no more, but you see me. Because I live, you're going to live also. And verse 20 says, At that day. He was trying to prepare them for this. They couldn't grasp a hold of it, but he said, at that day. Everybody say that, at that day. You're going to know that I'm in the Father, and you in me, and I in you. When Jesus departed, the world would no longer see him, but they would be able to see him. Praise God. Amen. How, how, do, how do we see, how does, how does the world see Jesus today? 
Amen. They, they see him in us wherever we go, when we're at the store, when we're at church, when we're at the job. He, he's come to be in us. That's why he said, greater works are you going to do because I go to my Father. It wasn't that it gets any better, but he said, I'm going to empower you. Amen. When I go away, I'm going to give you something. Amen. I'm going to give you something not just so you can consume all of it, but I'm going to give you something to, 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 to facilitate the mission that I I've called you to fulfill. And so when he said it that day, what was he referring to? He was referring to Pentecost. Now stick with me, track with me here. So we know at Calvary, Jesus would be crucified. The world would no longer see him, but he would show himself alive to a select group of people, his disciples. The book of Acts chapter 1 tells us that. And so he wasn't just like sitting in a room. He appeared to 500 or so, but it wasn't just sitting around at a nice little table asking them what they thought about that. No, he, he was still working, trying to get people in position and in place before, you know, one of, the, one of the greatest verses I love in the book of Acts chapter 1, I think it's in verse 12, it said, after he had spoken these things to them, he's gone. I think it's the greatest verse in Scripture because everything that he imparted, everything that he told them was ready to be put in action and facilitated by the people that he imparted to. And that's why sometimes we sit in this awe and this amazement like, well, why would it be me? I don't know about me. I don't know if I'm good enough to do this. I don't know if I can function the way that God called me to function. That's, that's our problem in the world today. We don't understand who we are. We don't really understand who our Father is because, you know, we have this idea that everything's going to be perfect. Everything's not going to be perfect. Amen. If it was, everything was going to be perfect, you would need God's grace to lead you down this path. Amen. And so... 40 days between the cross and Pentecost. On that day, they would know. On that day, they would understand. But right now, they're confused. And Jesus was trying to tell them about the Holy Ghost. And they're having a hard time grasping and accepting what he's saying. I, I know what... You know, I know what that feels like. I've tried to tell some people about the Holy Ghost. Can we, can we be a witness of that when we're trying to be a representation of Jesus Christ? And we begin to tell them about this wonderful experience they can have. And, you know, the prophets of old tried to, uh, Isaiah said the same thing. For stammering lips and another tongue will he speak to his people. To whom he said, this is the rest that you may cause the weary to rest. And this is refreshing. Yet they would not hear. You know, it's nothing new under the sun. Jesus called the Holy Ghost the comforter. Isaiah's Isaiah called the Holy Ghost the rest that comes. Isaiah tried to explain it, but people wouldn't hear. Amen. Who was it that wouldn't hear? Was it the people of Israel? Was it, you know, some say it could be, but I, I think it's referring to all the people that wouldn't receive the words of this prophecy. And so Isaiah prophesied 3,000 years ago that there would be a people that would not accept this comforter. This refreshing, this Holy Ghost is for them. But how many, I think we could all testify today as a witness that we know it's for us. Amen. We know it's for us. We know it's for you and your children and all that are far off. Amen. And so this was a new thing that never happened before. It, it was a new phenomenon, if you will. They never thought about the possibility of Jesus 
living inside of them. And so on top of that, Jesus had always been with them. He had always been by their side. They could visibly see them. He was there in person. They could talk to him every day. And when they had a problem, they went to Jesus. What could be better than that? I mean, you can ask for a better scenario. But right now they're confused because Jesus said, I'm going to go away. And so they're about to enter a very dark time between the cross and Pentecost. They're about to enter a time of confusion for them. And it was a very troubling time. And it began with the crucifixion of Jesus. And so uh, Peter assumes that it's all over once Jesus died. All of the disciples, they thought the same thing. He, he denies that he ever knew the Lord. We know this tonight. But Peter assumes it's all over and the other disciples don't even stick around to bury Jesus. Joseph, one of the Sanhedrin members, buries Jesus in his own sepulcher. And a few days later, we know Jesus is missing. And, and some said that he risen from the dead. Others said that his body was stolen. Nobody knew for sure what happened to Jesus. And finally, they come together in a secret place at a house for fear of the Jewish leaders finding them and crucifying them also. When it was here, Mary told him that she had seen the Christ. She had seen the Lord the same day Jesus comes and he shows himself to his disciples. Now, I want, I want you to remember this in this. Is everybody tracking with me here? Remember, remember this right here because this is going to, I think this will help us and shed some new light for us in this story. They are now in that 50-day period between the cross and Pentecost. They thought it'd be like old times. He's back. He came back. He's here. It's, gonna be, it's just going to be like old times. But it wasn't. There was just feeling of uneasiness about the future. There was this feeling of like, what's next? Jesus was with them but a, for, uh, with, with but a short time, but they weren't going out to teach people like they used to. There, there were no crowds following Jesus, and they, there were no miracles after this time, and they knew something wonderful had just happened, but yet they felt this, this sort of tension that was in the air. They knew something was up and something was happening for months. Jesus had been preparing for him for this moment. I, I have to believe that something inside of them had to believe that maybe this was, he was talking about the, the, the death, the burial, and the resurrection were for this very purpose. Calvary was pointing the way to Pentecost for redemption. Pentecost could not happen without Jesus going away and ascending unto heaven. Jesus had to leave them, and they didn't quite understand what was happening. They didn't understand why Jesus had to leave, and so Jesus had told them many, many times about leaving, and now the time had come, and they were not ready for it. What were they going to do without the Lord with them? Well, how were they going to make it without Jesus. They just got him back after losing him on the cross and now we're losing him again. So here we find the disciples of the Lord. They're confused and they're upset and they were afraid. How many has been that way since you gave your life to the Lord at times in your walk with God? So here we go. Here's where I want to hone in here tonight. In John chapter 21 and I, I, I think my churches probably get so tired of like, I've been preaching out of John all year long. And we've dug it out, and we've been there, and it's been awesome. But in John 21, 2, and 3, it says, There were together Simon Peter, Thomas called Didymus, Nathaniel of Canaan, Cana of Galilee, and the sons of Zebedee, and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing. I go a fishing. And they said unto him, We're going to go with you. And they went forth and entered to a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. After giving up their old life, when they met him, they cast aside their nets and they followed him. But now he's absent, 
They don't understand the new thing that's going on, and now they're reverting back to their old life. They turn around and they go right back to what they came out of. Jesus showed himself alive. He tried to explain to them about the Comforter. They're about to receive the greatest gift ever. They're about to become the very first members of the church. But in this scripture, we find them giving up on Jesus and returning back to their old lifestyle. And the Bible says they all got in a boat and they went fishing. But the reality is they were not fishing for fish. They were in reality had to be looking for answers in their life. Things were up in the air with them. We can see that Peter's very upset. And I almost find this funny in Scripture. You know, Peter's the one that Jesus gave the keys to, to the kingdom of God. He has this revelation of who Jesus is. And now in this 50 days, I'm talking about a man that got up in the book of Acts chapter 2. We're talking about just weeks before. You know, and here's what I want you to understand about this tonight. You know, when you give your life to the Lord, it's not like you've got to come back and wait for two years to get back in the place where you was with him before. Come on, when the prodigal came back to Jesus, amen, or when he came, when the prodigal came back, which is a type of the church and a type of the Lord, he came back to the Father. The Father was just looking, and he didn't ask any questions when he came back to the Father's house. And when he came back to the Father's house, you know what he gave him? He gave him a ring back. He didn't ask, I'm just glad that you're here. And a ring is symbolic of a relationship. It's symbolic of a covenant. And he said, get him the best robe, and I'm going to put a covering on him. And not only that, put the shoes on him, because we're going to get him involved in service back in the Father's house again come on that's the nature of God it's to rest- God would much rather restore you than replace you so Peter's so upset he gets on a boat naked with seven other dudes Who in the world does that? I mean, we've been on some men's fishing trips at the Anchor Church. And nobody's lost their ever-loving mind like Peter did when they were upset about something in life. Come on, when I look at Peter, there's hope for me and you. I can imagine Jesus back here like, dear God, have mercy. Where did he didn't get that from me? Where did he get that from? Who gets in a boat with six other men naked? Peter does. He's not really there to go fishing. He's not there to catch bluegill and catfish or whatever it is. But Peter, Peter's bound by fear and doubt and confusion. Peter was so afraid about the future that he gave up on Jesus and went back to his whole life, old life. Amen. I think in this journey that we're on, you know, Peter, I think in Peter's life when you look at him, when you look at him, we can all relate to Peter because we've all been Peter. He, he's so human. He questions everything. I mean, you talk about somebody who needed God's grace, it was Peter. Peter's like, you're going to be the spokesman on Pentecost, but yet Peter's trying to defend Jesus and help Jesus out, and he goes and cuts the high priest's ear off. You know, and by that, Peter's punishable one to death, but here comes God's grace putting the miracle, putting the ear back on Malchus. But you know what that lets me know when they so where was the evidence that you could kill Peter now? You know what the evidence is gone. Because Jesus comes and puts back things back in their proper place. Amen. Uh, that's what I love about God. His grace and his mercy come running to you. It's listen, I tell you, I'll tell him I'll tell you that you're not gonna make a liar out of God. 
He's full of faith and doubt at the same time. Peter, and, and, and a disciple of the Lord, you know, throughout his journey, he, he repents. He repents enough to be forgiven, but on his journey, he, he doesn't surrender enough to be changed. Until one day in a boat. Some of your greatest revelations come, and of revelations of Christ come to you in the middle of trouble. Because when Jesus shows up in Matthew 16 and says, Who do men say that I am? A lot of people didn't know who he was, but Peter stood up and said, Thou art the Christ. But you've got to go back to Matthew chapter 9 and figure out how Peter got this revelation. It was when they were on a boat, and the winds were boisterous, and Jesus got up and spoke to the wind and said, Peace be still. Come on, he'll come to you at the, when, the, and when you don't understand and when things are confusing, he'll show up and say, peace be still in your world. And you'll get a revelation of him like you've never had before. That's, that's where Peter got the revelation of Jesus at. But I, I like Peter. He's, he's full of faith and doubt at the same time. He gets mad and upset at the smaller things, and people make him mad. And when the Lord needs him the most, he's not there. Peter. So what Peter does, he goes off in this little boat, has a pity party. Amen. Sometimes we're, we go suck our thumb and feel sorry for ourselves. And come on, you ever did that before? I want I want you to keep remembering this happened during the fifty days. This happened in a matter of weeks before he got up and preached the greatest message ever preached. Peter don't understand what's happening, but he's living in the bondage to fear, and he doesn't. If he doesn't snap out of it, he's about to lose his, his eternal inheritance. And what's worse about that? We just laughed about the instance on the boat with the guys, but Peter's decisions are affecting six other people that are on the boat with him. What the disciples couldn't realize is that Jesus was preparing them for their jubilee. The disciples couldn't see it. They couldn't understand it. They couldn't accept it. They couldn't understand the fact that they needed a Pentecost experience. They didn't think they needed another comforter. What could be greater than walking with Jesus? Oftentimes, it's, we go through the darkest times in our life. But Jesus is preparing us to receive something greater than we've ever received before. That's why you have to learn to never quit. For in due season... You're going to reap if you faint not. But here he is in the city of Jerusalem during one of the busiest festivals of the year, Pentecost, two weeks after giving up on Jesus. Peter's preaching the keynote message to the church. What, and, I, and in this story, I'm like, what, what, how, what was it that specifically happened in that two-week time? How, who, what was it? And, and here we go. Because this is what Pentecost is all about. Some of us know what it's like to be ready and lay it all on the line for Jesus, but I bet you tonight we can, we all know what it's like to give up on Jesus. We all know what it's like to have doubts. We have spiritual highs. Come on, we have spiritual lows. That's you and me. That's what it feels like. There are days that, just like, just like Johnny, you know, he, he, did, he didn't want to get up and go to church. Come on, days you don't want to get up and go to church or days you better get up and go to church. Because in them darkest times in your life, your deliverance is about to come. Get up and go to church. Amen. Amen. 
It seems like darkness comes before the light, you know, not, not, not to dig in, but, you know, the Bible in the creation in the evening, in the morning was the first day. Darkness came before the light did. And it just seems like that's a principle in Scripture. And there's days we mess up like Peter did. And there's days that we feel like we failed Jesus. And the enemy loves to come in and tries to capitalize uh, on those things. And we're no different. But I want to tell you today, when God called Peter, there was, a, there was an important thing that I, maybe Peter didn't understand. And Paul told the church of Romans eleven twenty nine for the gifts and the calling of God are without repentance. Amen. God was going to have his way in Peter's life. God was going to make sure, amen, that Peter followed through and to repent we know it means to make a choice to go in the opposite direction and when God calls somebody as he did Peter his call is without repentance that means God will never change his mind about his call a few mistakes by Peter didn't change the mind of Jesus amen Jesus demonstrated this to Peter on the sea of Galilee that day after fishing all night long on that boat and the disciples see somebody standing off on the shore and Peter puts his clothes back on the Bible says, thank God. He jumps in, the Bible says he girded himself, he dressed himself. And he jumped in the water and he swam back to shore. And Jesus tells the other disciples while Peter's swimming into the shore, because Jesus was wanting to have a one-on-one conversation with Peter. And Jesus tells the other disciples to cast their nets on the other side. And when they do, they catch 153 fish. It's still early in the morning, but watch this now. In John 21, and I'm almost done tonight. It says, as soon then they were come to the land, they saw fire of coals there, and fish laid thereon and bread. And Jesus said unto them, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to the land full of great fishes, 153 for there all were so many, yet not the net was broken. And Jesus said, Come and dine. And none of the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou, knowing that it was the Lord? And Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and gimmeth them and the fish likewise. Amen. Keep in mind right here now, study scripture. This is only the third time they have seen Jesus since the resurrection. Jesus cooks a breakfast for them on fires of coals. And, and I, I just want to talk to you about that fires of coals for a minute because I got to looking about Peter's life. The only other place in the New Testament where we find fires of coals is at the palace of the high priest on the day where the Lord was crucified. It was while warming himself over this fire that Peter denied the Lord three times in the space of a few minutes. The fire of the coals was the place of Peter's greatest failure. The fires of coal was etched in Peter's memory. Don't you think for one second that when he went off that shore and he went back there and when he saw that fire burning, don't you you wonder if he you wonder if he thought, Am I gonna get restoration or am I gonna get condemnation? Am I gonna get beat over the back or I'm gonna get somebody to draw me in and tell me what I can be? God is creating a scene. The fires of coal was a dark stain of his past that he could never get over. So Jesus, because he knows, he creates this scene for Peter to get it right. I love that about God. He'll give you space to get it right. His goodness and mercy follow us all the days of our life. Three times over fires of coals. It was no accident that it was three times over those fires of coals. 
Jesus walked Peter back through his failures and allowed Peter to get it right. Do you love me, Peter, more than these? Yes, Lord. Peter, feed my sheep. Do you love me more than these, Peter? Feed my sheep. Imagine the echoes the last time Peter's denying the Lord, but now the Lord's coming back. Do you love me? I want you to feed my sheep. Jesus was reminding Peter of how much he loved him. He was reminding Peter of the call of God that was on his life. Jesus was making sure Peter got it right. That was part of Peter's journey to Pentecost. That was, this was part of the disciples' journey to Pentecost. If Jesus had not met them on the shores of Galilee that morning, they would have never made it to Pentecost. And I want you to know tonight that Jesus in His mercy will do everything so you can make it to your Jubilee. He'll do everything so He can make it to your Pentecost. Amen. His ear's not so heavy that it can't hear and His arm's not so short that it cannot reach. I think we to just stand all over this building tonight and thank the Lord, amen, for his power. Thank the Lord for his goodness in this building tonight. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah. Amen. I believe, I believe I'm, I'm, I'm almost done. Just be seated for a moment. I think there's this progression in our walk with God. and be, You know, discipleship starts at the moment of point of contact. When you meet a person, just by accident, you think, or by happenstance, God places that person in your life. I, I believe that's what it's like living on mission. I don't encounter, I'm not, I'm not saying we get, you know, there's God moments, but then there's practical things where you're giving them the fruit of the Spirit. That's Christ in you. That's what we're called to do. There comes a moment, you know, Nick, take Nicodemus in John chapter 3. You know, like I said, I've been studying John all year long. I love, if you want to sit down and talk about John, I'm your dude right now. I can talk to you about John. But Nicodemus in John 3 shows up, and you see, you know, I'm just looking at it through the lens of discipleship. Jesus is, you know, he's, he, he understands there's something powerful about Jesus. But just like Peter, he's unsure about what it is, you know. Jesus is talking to him about being born again. If you're not born again, you can't see the kingdom of God. Marvel not, I say unto you, you must be born again. And all of a sudden, there's a seed planted. And, you know, notice from the beginning, he's meeting him privately. He don't want anybody else to know that he's meeting Jesus. But then all of a sudden, in John chapter, um, in John chapter 7, 45 through 42, these Jewish leaders, they want to kill Jesus. And Nicodemus is part of this conversation. And now in this progression, there's, there's obviously a relationship developing with Jesus. And we find Nicodemus defending Jesus now. What was done in secret now is starting to be brought out openly. And now he's defending Jesus to people that wanted to kill him. And then we find out what we just read, what I just made mention of a few moments ago. In the book of John chapter 19, we find Nicodemus openly with Joseph preparing his body for death. There came a moment, I don't know when it was, but there came a moment when he wasn't ashamed of his relationship with Jesus anymore. I think we all need like a woman at the well experience. Jesus' greatest challenge is convincing us of the work that he wants to do through us. The focus is not doing. The focus is being. We're not human doings, we're human beings. Jesus was weary. He sends his disciples into town. 
you know, when we look at it, when we look at like what we're called to do, you know, how do we do that? And how do we facilitate that? That's, that's what was going on here in the book of John chapter four, the woman at the well, which is a, which is a gold mine for discipleship, really. If the music could come tonight, that'll let everybody know I'm done. Jesus sent the disciples into town. Why? Because they weren't ready for this moment. They were hungry. They were concerned about their belly. You know, you wonder why pastor at the beginning of this month is doing his best to get us in position. Because the disciples were in the right location but had a wrong perspective of what was about to happen. There was, about, there was an encounter about to happen that was going to change a city. Come on, never, never, never look at an individual and discount who they are or maybe what they could be in the kingdom of God. It could be the person that unlocks the key of deliverance to a city. That involves all of us. Pastor Bounds lives on mission better than anybody does. But he's trying so hard to get the church to live on mission. And that's what we're doing here at the Anchor Church. Come on, we, we believe restoration, don't we? Restoring people to a greater purpose. That's what he was doing to the woman at the well. But he had to get the disciples out of the way so he could have a one-on-one -on -one conversation with this lady. See, that's just like tonight. I'm all for preaching, and that's great. Faith comes by hearing, and we need to preach her like we heard Sunday night. But, but I'm going to tell you something. Uh, I'm, I'm, I am preaching at you. It's a one-sided thing. But everything changes when it's a with. That's what Jesus did. He said, I'm going to be with you, and I'm going to be in you. Because I'm sure some of the things I preached about tonight, somebody's like, man, I'd like to ask him another question about that. But you can't because I'm preaching at you. And we're in a church setting here tonight. But Jesus got one-on-one -on -one with this lady, and guess what happened? An organic, real conversation happened. And he revealed to her the root of what was going on in her life. And he told her that there's going to be a well of springing water that's going to come up in you. But she carried this water pot every day to sustain her. Whatever that water pot is, whatever it represented, the water pot could represent depression, insecurity, anxiety, addiction, whatever it is. But, 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 but it could not spring up through the water pot but when she laid the water pot down she was setting herself up for water to flow through her come on there comes a moment where you begin to lay some things down and to embrace what he has for you so he can flow through you amen and watch the, here's the revelation they start talking about well, we go to the mountain and worship so we think it's about a location come on it wasn't when Jesus was working with Peter it certainly wasn't about a location he was meeting Peter where he was at it wasn't in a temple, right? She's like, well, we go to the mountain worship, and you want me to go to Jerusalem worship. Jesus is like, you don't get it. This isn't about coming to a Sunday and a Wednesday church service. It's great that you do that, and it's awesome, and it's part of what we do. And there's some things you're, you're going to get here that you're not going to get where else in a spirit of worship, in a spirit of prayer, in the body of Christ, and becoming all things Christ wants us to be. Amen. But he said, I want you to know that what you're seeking is right here in front of you. Amen. And what this world needs is people that see right what's right in front of them, where you're living, where you're working and where you're playing. It's going to change everything. Amen. When we're able to get one-on-one -on -one with people and have spiritual conversations with people. Amen. Let us all stand tonight. She didn't have it all together at that moment. There's no way she did. But you know what? When the disciples came back to Jesus with their food, all happy, got their belly full, and he begins to talk to them about the harvest. And he's like, man, I'm, I'm trying my best to let you know that I got meat to eat of that you don't know of.
And while he's having this conversation with them, the lady that he got one-on-one with went to the town and told all of what Jesus had done to her. Did she have all her life together at that moment? I doubt it. Come on, you just, you just need to learn how to share what Jesus is doing in your life right now with people. And as you go by the grace of God, guess what comes? More authority, more faith. But just share what you know. Amen. And as he's telling the disciples, he said, look to the fields. They're white and ready to harvest. I personally believe, can't support it in Scripture, but I personally believe that as Jesus is telling them this, because they, they wore white garbs, robes, and when they look, there's a woman that's bringing people back to Jesus. One person. Why do we devalue ourselves? We just come through Christmas time, celebrating the birth of Jesus. And uh, I want us all to gather around front, if this is okay. Come on, let's gather around tonight. We're going to pray together. as a pastor for is everybody okay for like five minutes we're going to pray and sing together I've been pastor for 10 years and every time Christmas comes up Brother Melik you feel like you got to have like a, another message or like what else you know it can never get old right it never gets old you, you just tell the same story it never gets old and I'm going over this Christmas story and I'm looking at it and I looked at I looked at the, when the angels appeared to the shepherd it's no accident the angels appeared to the shepherd I said that you're going to find him in swaddling clothes and so, when you go and look at this, it's pretty cool. The manger was a rock. It was hewn out of a rock. Isaiah said it would be a rock in Zion, the birth of Jesus. They laid, you know, the shepherds knew how to take care of the lambs. That's what they did. And what the shepherds would do, they would take their lambs and they would take the excess wool off the lambs. And then they would take it to the market. And that, when it would back up a minute, when a baby was born, they really didn't have like sanitary things. So they would take salt and put it on the baby to clean the afterbirth off the baby, which you're the salt and light of the earth. And then they would put oil on the baby to soothe the baby. And then they would wrap the baby in swaddling clothes. And the shepherds would take the excess wool off the lambs and she would lay it all out however it would and however they did. And whether she was making a garment or whatever it was, and she would lay it all out and she would cut out what she wanted out of what she had spread out there and she took out what she cut and what was left over was called swaddling he didn't come for perfection what was already perfected he was wrapped in what was left over in that manger he was wrapped in our imperfection he was wrapped in swaddling clothes isn't that powerful don't ever devalue yourself Amen. If we had been perfect, and they, listen, there would have been no need for him to come. We're all in need of a Savior tonight. And I think in this month of, of consecration and prayer, let's understand that. You know, he's the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. We can understand Abraham and Isaac, but Jacob, we can't really wrap our mind around that dude. But you know what? It's not going to make a liar out of God. If I, if I can be really honest and transparent tonight, we're going to pray. I've... I want so bad to live on mission and share Jesus with people everywhere I go. 
and I do my best to do that. I do my best to love people like Jesus does. Have I done it perfect? Absolutely not. Have I had bad days like Peter? Absolutely. People's cut me off on the road. You know, we all have Christian cuss words we say and stuff like that. You know what I mean? You know, you need to peel back the layers in your life and be honest about stuff in your life. Amen. I asked myself seven questions this month if I want to share them with you. And I've challenged our church to do this. Pastors called us to a fast, an immediate fast. And, and just to go without food and to, you know, when you're taking yourself away from something, you need to, you know, it's that, it's that, that filter in which what are you adding to yourself? So in this, what do you got hearing? What do you hear God speaking to you about consecration? Consecration is just service and worship to the Lord. What do you, what do you hear God speaking to you about this? And number two, what is he trying to reveal in you that may be hindering flourishing fellowship with him? What fruit in your life is revealing a root of unbelief or carnality? And why should this matter to you? How are you going to let Jesus use this to harmonize you with the kingdom of God? In what ways do you sense Jesus prompting you to come out of consumerism and living selflessly, fulfilling the mission? I'm just doing this for me. And the last one, how is the above all questions vital in your walk with God and the eternity of other people around you? All the work that it took to get Peter on location. So thousands of people's lives could be changed on that day. Aren't you glad that his mercy and his love comes running after you? Come on, we're just a bunch of swaddling clothes wrapped, wrapped around the perfect Savior. And tonight, what I want you to do in this building is we're going to sing, we're going to sing here. And I want you to find somebody near you that you can really pray with and speak a blessing over their life. I want you to leave different than what you came in this house tonight. I truly believe that this is a, would be a year of blessings and breakthroughs. You cannot sow and do what we've been doing as a church for all this time and nothing not happen. Amen. Some of us in this building are in places just like Peter was. You're doubting it. And I'm telling you, just find somebody near to you and speak a word of faith over them and pray with them. And I want us to begin to do that right now all over this building. Come on, would you lift your hands with me? Find somebody near you. Lord, in the name of Jesus. Come on, what do you hear God speaking to you about? Thanks again for listening to the Anchor Church Podcast. If you enjoyed it, make sure you subscribe so you can keep up on our weekly sermons. If you're in the Zanesville area, we invite you to join us on Sundays. You can find all the details on our website at theanchor.church. Again, thanks so much for listening, and we hope to see you soon.